All right, what is up, everybody? This is Rob Escalante again with the Escalate Training Podcast. I, first of all, want to thank everybody again. This is our sixth episode now, and I have gotten you know a lot of DMs, a lot of messages saying how much you guys are enjoying these. Like I said in the first one, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. So hearing that everybody is enjoying listening to them um, is just amazing. It makes me want to do them so much more and it makes me want to help you guys out, you know, spreading these messages uh, more and more week through the week. So like I said, we're on episode six now. We're really hitting our stride. But before I start talking about what we are going to get into, um, I wanted to also thank everybody that supported Escalate in this last apparel drop, the Afterlife Collection. Uh, there is still a ton of sizes available and a ton of quantity available. So go ahead and get on that website, escalatetraining.us. It'll be linked in the bio of this. Um, and pick yourself up a shirt. Um, pick, yourself up, pick yourself up a shirt. Pick up your friend a shirt. Christmas is right around the corner. You can get family shirt. Um, each of these shirts that I'm going to be putting out for Escalate, you know, kind of as our, as our merch, uh, you might say. They each have a meaning, um, and so like that 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 light your own tunnel. I uh, described it as you know the meaning behind grit. We had that entire episode on grit, and that is the shirt that embodies that. The come to life shirt that came out. That that shirt is is how you kind of bring yourself back from this adversity, bring yourself back from something that you thought might have killed your goal or killed your stride, and come back to life so that you can accomplish those goals and keep moving towards those uh towards those goals and and continue climbing essentially um but today i wanted us to get into something that you know i have been utilizing in in my life a whole lot but i don't think i've really talked to a lot of people about and that is kind of my three rules of understanding the process over the product and what I mean by that is knowing that the process will always trump the end goal. Whatever you are doing to get yourself to the end goal is what you need to love. You should not love the goal itself. You should love it for a little bit. You should be able to understand that you're accomplishing these things for a reason and love it for maybe a day or two. But once you're done with it, then you have to figure out what process you're going to use to get to that next win or get to that next goal. So I have three rules that I follow, uh, two being pulled from a book by Thomas Sterner, The Practicing Mind. And then the last one is kind of an interpretation on uh, Tim Grover's uh, methodology, which is the, uh, it comes from the book Winning, and it's essentially, you know, the whole marathon, not a sprint thing. He has a different mindset about it, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But I want to start this off uh, with rule one, showing that you need self-control. What I mean by saying that you need self-control is that you need to understand, like I said previously, that your entire life 95 to 99% of it is going to be lived in the process. The goal, the end product is that 1%. It's that win that you get. 
and then it's over. And then you have to sit back down and you have to think what's next. And so meaning what I mean by understanding that you need to have self-control is that you need to realize without self-control, these goals will not be accomplished. You will not be able to properly move throughout the process to achieve them without having that self-control throughout. And, and Thomas Sterner in that book, The Practicing Mind, has a great quote that I'm going to tell you guys. And that quote reads, without self-control, you have no real power, regardless of what you want to accomplish. You cannot control what you are not aware of. And that last part is so, so pivotal to me. It's so important. You cannot control what you are not aware of, meaning you cannot fix, you cannot accomplish, you cannot do things that you do not have self-control over. We talked about it in the deep work episode, talking about trying to get away from these small distractions, trying to get away from these things that bring us down and get us away from this process towards our goals. If you do not have control over those distractions, if you do not have control over the process that you are wanting to use to get to your goal, then you don't have power over that goal. I tell my clients all the time that your goals are set for a reason. You have thought about them probably endlessly for months. For example, if you're going into a meat prep or you're, you're starting a fat loss phase, you have probably thought about what you are wanting to accomplish for months leading into that decision to start the goal. However, whatever you've thought of, whatever that goal is, whatever that end product might be, you do not have power over it if you cannot control the process that comes with it. And by what I, what I mean by you do not have power over the process is you have not been infatuated with it. You need to know when to go all out and when to pull back. Um, I speak about this with my clients all the time when we're going into a meat prep. You need to know as a power lifter, you need to know when to push certain days and if you're not feeling great, you need to know when to pull back, okay? So you need to have that self-control. He also talks in the book about this analogy of a flower. He likes to use the process as a flower and that bud, that, that bud at the top of the, of the stem is your goal. And so if the, if the bud is the goal and the bloom is the accomplishment of that goal, the bloom of that flower is the accomplishment, then there's a lot of things that can disrupt that flower blooming. You can water it too much. If you water a flower too much, it's going to die. If you push way too hard into your goals and you don't allow yourself, you don't listen to your body, you don't listen to your mind, you don't have self-control, that goal is going to die. You're going to get mental fatigue, you're going to get burnt out, and then it's just going to be over. You can water it too little. 
you can be so far into the process that you lose sight of the goal. That's also a problem. We'll talk about that a little bit later with the marathon stuff. But you can be so far embedded in this process that you don't understand or you don't realize anymore what that goal is. And you can pull that flower before it's supposed to bloom. You can you can rush that process. You can go, I got to go now. I got to go now. I got to do this now. I got to do it. You know, And if I don't, then this goal, this deadline, whatever it is, it's not going to be met. So if you pull that flower a little bit before, it's not going to be able to bloom. And that goal might not be what you thought it was. You might still accomplish it, but whatever you had formulated in your mind months prior, it might not be what you see as your end product. So this idea of having self-control is essentially just knowing when to push and when not to push, sidelining those distractions and knowing that if you don't have a full grasp on this process, then you might as well just throw that product and goal in the garbage because it's not going to be attainable. That will lead us into rule number two. Rule number two is another thing that Thomas Sterner talks about. It's called DOC, do, observe, connect. And do, observe, connect, uh, I'm going to break it down into all three different uh, letters, DOC. Doing something, the do, is essentially just going out, understanding the process, doing what you have to do. It's the, it's the bulwark. It's the studying, it's the going to train, it's the doing part of achieving that goal. And you can do, do, do so much. You can, you can work as much as you want to, you can work as hard as you want to, but all of that is going to be nullified. It's going to be trash if you don't observe, if you don't take a step back and look and try and find things that you can be doing better. Whether that's observing your study techniques or observing technique on the platform or when you're training or whether that's observing how your diet trends look like. Whatever that is, you need to be able to take that step back and observe what you need to fix. And all of, a lot of the time, you don't know what you need to fix, which is where that third letter comes in, C, that connect. And so you need to go out and connect with other people that are trying to achieve the same goal or have experience in achieving that same goal. And in connecting with them, you're going to ask them for feedback. This is something that, you know, is, is crucial in academia. I do it all the time. I mean, when, when I was writing my NSF fellowship application, this is a two-page uh, research statement and a three-page personal statement. When it comes to academic writing, that's nothing. Two pages and three pages, I mean, that'll be done in a day. However, when it comes to something that important, when it comes to my goal of getting this fellowship, I had to do it. I had to observe myself. I had to understand, okay, how am I writing? What do I need to fix in my writing? Does this make sense to me in my research plan and my personal statement? 
And then what did I have to do at the end? I had to connect with my faculty, my peers, and others that may be applying to this fellowship. And I needed to get feedback on their side of things on whether or not what I'm saying or what I'm writing about or what I'm trying to do makes sense. So you need to go out and you need to get this feedback. You need to seek out a mentor or seek out a friend or seek out a coach and get this feedback from an external source because you can be spinning your wheels, um, observing as much as you want to, but at the end of the day, you're probably going to have some sort of internal bias towards yourself. And you're going to just think, yep, that was perfect. That's exactly what I needed to do. However, somebody from the outside looking in might be able to see a million things that you can correct that will move you better towards working towards your goal. I'm going to move back and, and go through all of these a little bit more detailed now. And, and I wanted to start with that do, the, the, the doing something. And I want to do this through a story. I want to do this through a lesson that my uh, a professor taught me last semester in the spring. And that is that if you are starting something, if you are doing something, your first step in your first goal, and this is going to sound really stupid, your first step is to do it bad. If you're new at something, you're going to do something bad a lot. You're going to fail. You're going to fail again and again and again and again. But those failures are so incredibly important when it comes to looking back and observing, looking at what you need to, uh, what you need to fix. You can't just do stuff over and over again. You have to look back and see the things that you need to, uh, the things that you need to correct, and you need to find out what you did wrong and how you can fix it. But again, if you're doing something extremely wrong over and over and over again, and you think that you have a solution, that solution might not be the best thing. So that's when you go out there, and that's when you find that feedback. That's when you connect with people in uh, in your field, or you connect with others that are training alongside you, or other mentors or coaches. So that's DOC, that's doing, observing, and connecting, and how making a failure over and over and over again allows you to get towards that goal. In the process of understanding that there's going to be a lot of failures by the time that you win is so incredibly important. I know we've all seen the graph on Instagram. We've all seen that crazy, motivating, whatever you want to talk about graph where it's like, this is what you think winning is. This is what you think getting towards your goal is. And it's just linear. And then you slide over towards the next slide or whatever it is. And it's like, this is what it actually is. And it's this, you know, very spastic looking graph. But at the end, you're higher than you were at the beginning. You might dip down and come up and dip down and come up. As corny as it is, as cheesy as that might look and as cheesy as it might say, I might uh, sound saying it, it's true. There's a lot of failure in winning. There's a lot of failure in achieving your goal. But you need to, ha- you need to understand the process of that. You need to understand that it's not always failure. and It's not always winning towards getting to that product. 
And again, that goes back to the self-control. That goes back to rule one. All of these bleed into each other. If you don't have self-control and you don't understand that failure is a part of this process, then you're going to see that loss and you're going to throw it away. You're going to think, ah, it's over. We're not going to make it. Um, but understanding and having the self-control to continue persevering forwards is, is so incredibly important. It's so crucial to this. So that kind of leads us into rule three and the last rule. And this is one that I pull from um, the book Winning by Tim Grover. Uh, it's one of the last chapters in the book. And I'm sure we've all heard the phrase that it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, right? And speaking of process, that may have been running through your head a lot. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. You can't go all out all the time. However, and he has a great, a great analogy of this. If you look at the top marathon runners, if you look at guys like Kipchoge, the guy that, that ran breaking two, broke a two-hour marathon with pacers. He's one of the best marathoners to ever grace this planet. He's held the world record for years now in that event. Multiple, multiple wins in, in major marathons. That's a sprint. The marathon is a sprint if you want to win and you want to be the best. So... Understanding that it's not a marathon and that it's a 26.2 mile sprint is incredibly important. You can't just get stuck in this process. You can't just keep turning your wheels and saying, ah, it'll happen tomorrow. Because eventually, tomorrow is going to turn into next week. And next week is going to turn into next month. And next month is going to turn into next year. And that goal that you originally had, that was supposed to be three months down the line, it's three years now. So what are you going to do? You're going to treat this marathon like a sprint. And so when you are doing your work, when you're in a deep work session, you need to have the self-control to understand this. You need to be going balls to the wall. But... You also need to have the self-control again to know that it's not always like that. You will get mental fatigue if you just continue trying to pound this progress out of you. It's going to end up very ugly. And so I like to talk about this whole, it's not a marathon, it's a 26.2 mile sprint. In the aspect of endurance training, and, and I'm not one to really tout on endurance training. If you follow me, you understand that I've been getting my, my feet wet. And by my feet wet, I mean I've dipped my pinky toe into the water. I'm in my very, very low stages of knowing what endurance training looks like. However, there are some lessons that I've learned through it, and it's that you cannot run fast all the time. Something that I, I had to tell myself when I first started running because I would do a four-mile run and I would feel awful. And then I'd try and do a three-mile run two days later and it would go even worse. And it's because I was going, out when I, going all out when I did not need to go all out. 
I wasn't having any self-control. And I wrote down something and I, and, I, and I really like the way that I worded this. And this can be thought about in running. This can be thought about in your process of studying. This can be thought about in your process of you know, progressing your career, progressing your health goals. And it comes down to being slow when you need to be, but being fast when you have to be. Notice my wording on that. Being slow when you need to be, but being fast when you have to be. Notice how there's no want. You don't get to be slow when you want to be. You don't get to be fast when you want to be. You have to have the self-control and you have to have the discipline to know that you might have to take some foot off the gas and be slow because you're, you're being a little bit too overworked. That, that imposter syndrome that comes with fatigue and that, that lack of mental clarity is just leaving you further from your goal. But you also need to have the self-control to understand that sometimes you just have to put that pedal to the floor. And you need to be going 100 miles an hour for 700 miles, you know, with, with no look, no observation of slowing down at all. Um, and so I, I think that's, that's where I'll end this. And, and I'll kind of end this last rule with, you know, this whole marathon, not a sprint sprint but not a marathon uh 26.2 mile sprint it's a lot of sayings to just essentially tell you that this race towards your goal this race in life this race towards the product it doesn't have an end line for a lot of us there is no end line when you're wanting to be the best at something and you're wanting to fall in love with this process and you're wanting to not have to worry about the goal and, and cherish the goal when it's there, but understand that there's a lot more that comes after it, that these are all just small sprints within your race. But with those small sprints, there is no end line. There is no, that's it. You're done. Congratulations. You can go home and eat potato chips on the couch. That doesn't exist. If you're really wanting to be the best and you're really wanting to push towards a win, you have to fall in love with the process and you have to understand that sometimes it's just going to be ugly. It's just going to be a sprint. And a lot of the times that's what it is. So thank you guys for listening. Again, this is a kind of a medium length episode but i'm very excited to announce that moving into next week we are having another guest on the podcast sean noriega my coach a mentor for me a mentor for many in the powerlifting community somebody that a lot of people look up to and we're going to be talking about this whole process over product thing again um a lot of people know that this sean has been one of the most bought in people that i know when it comes to the process but there are some lifestyle changes that both me and him have been making over the years that have kind of changed that mentality a little bit. And we're going to talk about that. So 
tune in in two weeks. Um, I, I Again, I really appreciate you guys listening to this. It means the world to me. If you, if you can, please share it. Please rate it. Please tell your friends. I feel like um, I'm getting a little bit better at this whole podcast thing. So I really appreciate you guys bearing with me in these in these very early stages. But I promise you they're going to be only getting better from here. So again, thank you for listening. And as always, continue climbing.